Hello and welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is where we talk about money, investing and all things personal finance. I'm your host, Peter Kamalafe, and it is my mission to help you make the best financial decisions possible. Now, with living costs continuing to rise, Money Hub on a mission to engage and empower its customers to take control of their finances and improve their financial wellness. Money Hub provides a central space to see all your accounts and assets so you know exactly what's coming in and exactly what's going out. You can connect your current account credit cards, investments, pensions, savings, mortgages, and loans, all with ease, allowing you to have a clear view of all of your accounts within one platform. Once connected, Money Hub will help you learn to manage your money better with simple, actionable steps. You can analyze your spending, pay off your debt, see how your investments are performing, and also set yourself personal spending goals. If you're a homeowner, you can connect your property and see up-to-date property valuations. And if you rent, you can report your rent payments to Experian, giving your credit score a boost. Money Hub has been named in the FinTech Power 50 Trailblazer cohort and has the widest range of connections available in the UK. To get started, download the app today and take advantage of a free six-month trial with no automatic renewal, which means you get to choose whether you want to continue or not after trial. With Money Hub, small improvements lead to big achievements, whether it's paying off debt, boosting your savings, or monitoring your investment. Money Hub makes money management simple and convenient. You can download today on the Apple Store or Google Play. There is a link in the show notes. All right, good morning and welcome back to the podcast. Um, I hope you're well. I hope this past week hasn't been too stressful for you because uh, I'm sure you've been spectating, watching with interest, perhaps with a bowl of popcorn, at what's happening in government right now. And it's quite astonishing. If you follow me on YouTube, I have spent the week uh, providing some commentary around what's going on and what that means for us when it comes to our finances and taking a look at the implications for the markets. We're going to be talking about some very important uh, elements in today's episode. But before we get into the meat and bones of that, I think it's worthwhile, maybe if you've not followed the last two episodes, to kind of recap, contextualize what's happening, where we are, and how we actually got to this point. So it feels like two, maybe three weeks ago, uh, the mini budget was announced, and the fallout from the mini budget was essentially uh, catastrophic for bond markets. It was catastrophic for uh, the pound, our currency. So we saw the pound fall to one pound and three pence to the dollar, which is the lowest it's been for a very, very, very long time. And because that was, uh, I kind of instigated by the fact that there was not a lot of market confidence in our ability as a country to repay our debts in guilt, government guilts. What then happened was the Bank of England had to step in and start a bond buying process to give confidence to the bond markets. And therefore that has helped prop up the pound. But an unintended consequence has also been, and we're going to talk about this in a completely separate episode, is that it now turns out that pension funds across the country are in a position where they might get into a little bit of trouble because of the yields increasing in the bond market. So we've had a bond buy-in program, which ended this past Friday with the Bank of England. And now we're on tenterhooks today, on Monday, as you're listening to this, observing what's going to happen with the pound and the bond markets. And if it doesn't go to plan, well, there's going to be yet another U-turn. We've had two U-turns from the government. There might have to be a U-turn from the Bank of England around propping up the guilt market, or at least continuing the measure that they discontinued this Friday. 
that brings us up to speed. Now, I did miss one little thing that's quite important. Obviously, Kwasi Korteng, the chancellor who came up with the mini budget, has been sacked. Uh, I think the phrase that people are using in the media is thrown to the walls or thrown under the bus by Liz Trust. Um, but uh, I think it was necessary. I think there was a lot of commentary, particularly speaking about how the mini budget has damaged the confidence of the markets of our ability as a country to repay our debts. And that's been one of the biggest pieces of contention, the biggest debatable point. And it almost felt as though it would be impossible for Kwasi Korten to, to survive, if I'm completely honest. And I think uh, the markets, the environment has spoken, he is gone. Now, in his place comes Jeremy Hunt. Now, Jeremy Hunt uh, was kind of, uh, I guess, in favour of corporation tax increasing, which was the U-turn that we heard from Liz Truss uh, on Friday. Uh, it will no longer be kept at 19%. It is going to increase to 25%, which many people will argue from a business point of view is going to be a negative impact on the growth plan because if companies know that corporation tax is going to be at 19%, they'll be more willing to reinvest into the business. You will need that as we enter into a recession for business to be investing, employing more people, so on and so forth. So a bit of a blow, but I think that's the least of our worries right now. Now, as it turns out, with Jeremy Hunt, now the Chancellor of the Exchequer, over the weekend, so bearing in mind, he was only installed on Friday. Saturday, he was out there immediately. And he's he's messaging, he's signaling what is going to be coming down the track, which is going to form the bulk of the content this week on the episode of this podcast, okay? So about three weeks ago at the Conservative Party, uh, a journalist asked Liz Truss, can you rule out tax cuts? And she said unequivocally, without even blinking, yes. Now, lo and behold, yesterday, Jeremy Hunt is new chancellor. He's out at Sky, BBC, and he's laying the groundwork for what is to come. And I've done a couple of lives on this, just providing commentary. I would encourage you to go watch it on YouTube so you can get the full picture. But there is bad news. And the bad news is, there are going to be spending cuts and there are going to be tax increases. Now, spending cuts, if you look back to 2010, everyone will remember the level of austerity that was, I guess, introduced by spending cuts. It feels as though we're in similar territory right now. What we don't yet know is whether those spending cuts are going to be as severe as 2010. We just don't know this at this point in time. But on Sunday morning, Jeremy Hunt has made it more than abundantly clear that he's going to be asking every single department in, com in government to find efficiencies, to find areas where they can cut costs. Now, the initial impression from analysts was there will be a couple of maybe areas ring-fenced. One of them was health, NHS. The other was defence, because obviously everything that's going on with Russia right now. However, Jeremy Hunter said, no, 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 no. We're going to, we're going to make those cuts in every department. We're going to ask every department to make cuts. Now, this is going to be a bit of pill to swallow. And now let's, let's talk about this from a very human down to earth place, because when you approach this from a, from a political or market perspective, 
there are very clear cutthroat reasons why this is being done. But before we get there, and I can't help but be a little bit angry with this in the fact that if there are further spending cuts, what we're going to see and the people that are going to suffer are the people who have suffered the most through the cost of living crisis since the beginning of this year and are suffering right now. So these will be low income households. These will be people on benefits. These will be people who are disabled, who are ill. Those are the people who are going to suffer the most. Now, he's saying that he's going to ask every department to find efficiencies, which means that benefits, services, um, anything that is there to help people potentially is at risk of being impacted. To what degree, we don't yet know. He was asked whether these spending cuts were going to be at austerity levels, and he didn't really give a straight answer to that to that question, which is telling in its own way, because he's not ruling anything out. And so how bad does this need to get? Now, from a budget point of view, from a fiscal point of view, they still need to find in the region, I believe it's about 30, 30 billion pounds for this budget to balance. Now, all eyes are on October 31st. Now, I honestly believe that by the time we get round to the budget and the detail coming out on October 31st with the Office of, Office of Budget Responsibility costing this, giving it the stamp of approval that it will lead to a balanced book, I think that we're going to see a lot of changes to what was already proposed or initially proposed in the mini budget, i.e. we know that there are going to be tax rises. So I think maybe that the 19% uh, basic rate tax uh, threshold that they were introducing might go. It might go because that accounts for a big chunk of the money that they need to find. I think there will be a few things that will disappear by the time we get around to October 31st, but I'm just speculating at this point in time. Fundamentally though, because we need to make the, ba the, the books balance, I think we're gonna, we need to have a new approach. And it's funny hearing Jeremy Hunt deliver his, his speeches, his interview over the weekend. And again, if you've not watched the YouTube video, please go and watch it. I will link it in the show notes. He was doing two things. He was speaking to the general public, as you would expect. He's very, he's very uh, good at delivering bad news calmly and in what feels like a very measured manner. And he was very measured. The words he used, the phrases that he used, how he framed and positioned things were designed to do two things. First, number one, to address the general public 100%, but more importantly, to try and re-establish some trust with the market. I was speaking to a bond trader last week and he said, look, there is no confidence in the current government as it is. And in order for the bond markets to react positively, they would need to see a significant shift, a show of confidence. And when you listen to Jeremy Hunt speak, he reiterated our position in, in the global um, economy, in the global standings. I think fifth biggest economy if we haven't been overtaken by India, I think. Either fifth or sixth, anyway, yeah? So he's, he's reaffirming that. And he's restating that we have always made difficult decisions when we've needed to. And we will continue to make difficult decisions when we needed to. 
framing spending cuts, framing tax hikes. And that is there to reassure the markets, to garner confidence in the markets that things are going to be bought under control. Now, if you want to look at this from a pure, pragmatic, political, fiscal, financial point of view, those are the reasons why tax cuts, well, spending cuts and tax hikes need to happen. There is collateral damage in the impact it's going to have to everyday people. And that cannot be ignored. You cannot sidestep, you cannot glaze over it, you just cannot acknowledge it. You can't not acknowledge it, I should say. It's the truth. And when you really get down to the nitty gritty of it all, when you think about what the human cost, the human impact is actually going to be, we're in for a very, very tough time. And this is something that I've been saying on the podcast for a very long time. And I'm almost at that point where now the fundamental basic foundations that we preach so much of, even the foundations are now almost at risk. And so it feels as though we've got bad news upon bad news upon bad news. And let me just give you another one just to let you know. Today, I'm recording this on Sunday. Today, the boss, the chief at the Bank of England, Andrew Bailey, has reiterated that they will not hesitate to raise interest rate heights. And he said that given the current circumstance, it is likely that more aggressive action is needed than what was previously expected in August of this year. Code four, we are going to move interest rates up significantly. Now, when you look back over the track record of what's happened with interest rates through this year, so in December 2021, the bank rate went up by 0.15%. Then four times this year, we saw an increase of 0.25. We've seen two consecutive increases at half percent each in August and September. The next meeting from the Monetary Policy Committee, who decides on whether you keep interest rates the same or you increase them or you reduce them, the Monetary Policy Committee is meeting on November 3rd, which is a few days after the budget comes out with, hopefully, the stamp of approval from the Office of Budget and Responsibility. Now, on November 3rd, it is very, very likely that we are going to see an interest rate hike of 0.75, possibly 1%. Now, all of this is being signposted, all of this is being framed, which is why they speak about these things in the media. So the markets are able to price this in and effectively know that it's coming down the track. The markets are not going to be blindsided with this. It's been said. And so because it's been said, we should all expect that it's going to happen. The question is, are we going to see interest rates rise again by 0.75% or 1%? Which is it going to be? And, it, and it's funny because when you start paying attention to inflation as pertaining to how it's been affecting economies in the States, the Fed, who has recently just released the inflation data for the, for the American economy, has said something very similar to what Andrew Bailey said. Their line of conversation or statement was, we're, a, we're concerned that we haven't done enough to combat inflation. And we need to do more. We need to be more aggressive. And so we are going to tighten monetary policy until we have inflation under control at the target 
Now, their number, I believe, is still high up in the eights or nines. 2% is a long way to come down. And so we're seeing the Americans tighten their monetary policy more aggressively. The last few increase, increases that they've seen to their interest rate hike interest rates have been 0.75%. It is likely we're going to start seeing 1% plus from the Americans. And we, it feels, are following suit with the same level of aggressive action in order to combat inflation. Now, obviously, if you've been paying attention to the to the podcast over the past couple of weeks, that means interest rate increases impacting debt repayments, impacting mortgages specifically. And we have had a lot of conversations around a potential mortgage crisis with interest rates increasing so much that people won't be able to afford their mortgages. And there is a real risk that come next year, beginning of next year, people are going to start defaulting as 2 million people start to come off their fixed rate mortgages. We still don't know how this is actually going to play out. We've spoken about it on the podcast, but this is still a really, really big concern. And so we find ourselves in this environment of just complete and utter mess, essentially. We've got interest rates rising at rates that I guess that are going to be unsustainable from a debt debt servicing point of view for mortgages, which basically leads to a mortgage crisis. We have inflation running absolute riot with interest rates not really impacting the inflation. Now we have issues with the gilt market and the Bank of England having to introduce measures to prop up the gilt market and in turn propping up the pound. It's just an absolute mess. And so what do we actually do? What do we do? Look, I've been having a lot of conversations with people and I mentioned this on the podcast last week. Look, we can budget all we want, but it's going to get to a stage where we can't budget anymore. And so income has got to be key. Money has got to be key. Income generation has got to be key. And I spoke about last week about, you know, trying to find something that maybe you're passionate about having intrinsic interest in that could mean that you can increase your income. That isn't going to be viable for everybody because that might be a slow burner. And so, look, if you are in a professional job, I'm going to suggest something that maybe you've already thought about. Maybe you haven't thought about. If you are in a job that you know your skills are, I guess, sought after, or even if your skills aren't necessarily sought after, maybe it's time to dust off that CV, polish it up, and start putting feelers out there. Because the sad reality of corporate life is, and I can attest to this, is if you stay at a company for too long, your wages tend to stagnate. A lot of my friends who I know who have done extremely well in the financial services space have increased their their, their salary by 10, 20% by hopping jobs. Now, if you are in a sector where actually your skill set is pretty pretty sought after, you're in a prime position to dust off that CV, put yourself out there and see if you can secure yourself a pay rise in doing so. Even if your job doesn't appear to be sought after, I will still encourage you to maybe shop around and see what other opportunities you have out there. Because right now, it has to be all about increasing the level of income you have. You're able to budget better. You're able to have better peace of mind if you're able to bring in more money.
If you're at that point where it's really, really tight, you're going to be, you're going to feel so much better if you're able to bring in more money. And I am completely aware that this is not an easy thing. It's not an overnight fix, but I do think that we need to have a new focus. The found, the foundations around budgeting and emergency funds. Yes, they absolutely are still crucial, but on a top of that, we need to build additional income streams. And this is a lesson that we learned through COVID, through furlough. We cannot rely on one income stream moving forward. And I guess this is a prime example that further reaffirms that point. We have to be thinking about additional forms of income in some way, shape or form, no matter what that might be. Now, I appreciate that isn't necessarily my typical practical tip, but there is so much going on right now. And it feels as though it's hard to give any definitive tips around what what we should be doing without knowing what the details of the budget are going to look like on October 31st. In the next few weeks, I'm going to have further episodes coming out on the podcast. We're going to be talking about property. We are going to talk about this pension fund issue because I've had a lot of issue, uh, questions from people asking, is my pension safe? Should I be worried? The pension funds are using derivatives. Is that bad? Is that good? You know, should I be concerned? We can have an episode on that specifically. We are also going to talk about the market generally investing. What's the outlook? I've been speaking a lot to people and I've seen a lot on Instagram, a lot on, t on Twitter recently about, you know, throwing money into the stock market right now. And yes, it is a great idea. It's the right principle, but I fear that people are investing and essentially putting money into the markets right now without really considering what they feel is right for them. And I think that that is a danger. And I've asked someone this question this evening on a live on YouTube. Are you investing because that's what social media is telling you to do? Or are you investing because you understand why you're investing your timeline and more importantly, your risk management in a volatile environment? Because the theory about pound cost averaging or dollar cost averaging into a down market is a good theory. And technically it makes sense. It doesn't mean that you should throw risk management out with the baby and the bathwater. You still need to consider risk management. And for many people who are using, you know, trading 212, eToro, even the likes of Vanguard may be overexposed when it comes to their risk, when they look at their investment proposition. These are fundamental details that we have to get right. And that is going to be another episode which will be coming in the next uh, couple of weeks. But as always, I think this podcast is here to inform and to educate. And I hope that I've been able to do that with this episode without really giving you anything tangible to go away with. But I think it's very important to understand what's going on right now so that we can contextualize that and take that forward when it comes to the point where we know what is coming down the track. As always, I thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you. Try to have an amazing week. Please do pay attention to the news, but be discerning on what you're paying attention to as well. I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you so much for joining me. Have an amazing week. I'll catch you next Monday. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you. New to investing? Check out Peter's course for first-time investors designed to give you the foundation you need. If you prefer one-on-one -on -one coaching, book a complimentary discovery with the man himself. All links in the show notes.